don't look back because the market is closed. Good Thursday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. I know if you're a regular listener here, that you're probably surprised to see that I had the podcast today, given that it was a big update for our markets. Uh, as we joke about here often, Kip usually gets the big up days and I usually get the big down days. Uh, we've seen a switch in this over the last, I don't know, couple of weeks or so, one that I can really get behind here. Uh, but in the market's defense, we did start off the day lower, sharply lower even, before we got a big reversal after this morning's trading. And when I say big reversal, I mean it here. The Dow was down over 300 points at, after the open today. We ended up rallying massively from being down 300 to up 371 on the day today. Uh, and the move higher began right as you would expect this morning after the Wall Street Journal reported about a deal for talks about First Republic Bank between JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, potentially Goldman Sachs, all with potential deals to possibly take over uh, the First Republic Bank. And that bank reversed in a big way as well today. It was down 36% at the lows of the day. Uh, it was up over 20%. Uh, it closed a little bit below those, it looks like. Uh, but still a big reversal remaining down 36% uh, earlier in the session. And really, that the whole story here is that the Fed stepped up to back up, the Fed and the Treasury stepped up to back up all of the banks here. That's why the market rallied today. And uh, <clears throat> overall, really, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury have now said, not necessarily out loud, but that if you are a systemic risk to the system, we will never allow you to fail. That's not allowed in our uh, manipulated market anymore. That's certainly not a free market at work, that's for sure. But here's basically the 30,000 foot view of what the Fed has said. It began with this SVB deal and then Signature Bank. And the Fed's gotten a lot of props and, and rightfully so to some extent that they stepped up quickly to help these banks. They averted a crisis before it really even began, at least on a larger scale. Uh, you know, these are the lessons learned from the financial crisis. You know, if you're gonna do something, do it early. So you gotta give credit where credit is due. Now, of course, we won't forget about the fact that the Federal Reserve caused this problem, right? They love to cause the problem and then sell you the solution, stepping in like the heroes that they want us to see them as. Um, but they did a good job here. You know, you can't deny that. And really, what they've done, again, from SVB, then Signature Bank, now this First Republic Bank deal, and it's not just here in the U.S., right? It's a global marketplace. we got to think in terms globally. We also just saw it, as Kip talked about yesterday, with Credit Suisse. You know, um, I uh, heard a, a funny adage, you know, that's always the too big to fail and the new, the other one as well, too big to jail. Uh, for Credit, Credit Suisse, too Swiss to fail uh, has been the tagline for that one. Kind of funny, but it is happening globally, right? So it's not just here in the United States, which bodes well for the global economy as well. 
And what these uh, these central banks and countries, and specifically here I'm talking about the Treasury and the Federal Reserve, the Treasury and Federal Reserve have essentially guaranteed that they will be they will backstop the entire deposit base of the U.S. financial system. Now, that doesn't mean everybody. I'll clarify here a little bit on that in a second because there's always the fine print with the Fed. But before this, the limit that everybody knew about was 250000 for FDIC insurance and $500,000 for SIPC insurance. Again, what they're saying now is that the threshold is unlimited. Again, they won't say it that out that out loud, but it's essentially obvious to anyone who's watching. And that it's essentially obvious they've just guaranteed the entire deposit base of the U.S. financial system is almost as a whole. Uh, and really, uh, uh, again, to go back to this, it's they said it's only for banks that could potentially be exposed or expose the U.S. economy to systemic risk. So that's financial engineering on a whole nother level. It's exactly what we've talked about in our new book, The Big Bribe. And now, you know, not too long after we even published it, the Fed is already ready to abandon their quantitative tightening program. We wrote about this in the book, though, as well. That's their game plan. They will raise rates until something breaks. Then they'll step in to save the day. They just couldn't wait to get back to quantitative easing. So they had to break something sooner rather than later. But here's what, again, was so interesting, is that these bailouts are only for banks that share potential systemic risk. Again, so what does that mean? The biggest banks get the get the bailouts. <laughs> so the wealthy who made bad, risky decisions get bailed out. And it means if you don't bank with the big boys then, you could run the risk of not getting bailed out. You'll get left behind. They're not worried about a small town credit union falling. They're not worried about a local bank going down and everybody losing every you know everything that wasn't FDIC insured. They're not worried about those those people. They're worried about the biggest banks, the biggest people. They get bailed out and everybody else gets left behind, gets left to fend for themselves. Uh, you know, the, the saying that is so apt to this, you know, it's been really to the point of a cliche now, but it's so true. And so many cliches are that because they are true. You know, this is capitalism for the profits and communism for the losses. So we get a little bit of the worst of both worlds. I'd say it's more crony capitalism of profits uh, and communism for the losses. Again, the worst of both worlds there for, for a free market system, at least. But the good news here is that if we can recognize these trends, then we can position ourselves correctly to make a lot of money from the coming melt-up. This is the melt-up we've been talking about since the end of last year from the October lows of last year. We said it from the very beginning. It's not going to be straight up. You know, we've gotten some pullbacks along the way, but we've held important support levels on those pullbacks. Uh, stocks have continued to show a lot of resilience. Today is exactly one of those days. In a bull market, you want to see a lower open met with strong buying pressure. It's exactly what we got today. Forget about the narrative and just pay attention to price. It is a very good looking setup for a melt up move higher. And once what we know from the Fed's history is once they begin 
expanding their balance sheet or at least take their foot off the brake, stocks roar back to life. It's not always overnight that that happens, uh, but that is the cycle, right? When you have quantitative easing that leads to more inflation, even if they don't report on it fully, asset prices have no choice but to go higher. The dollar has no choice but to go lower. That's the world we live in. It's the Japanification of the United States that we've talked so much about because these ideas began in Japan. They were, they were, that was the testing ground for it. And then all pretty much all other established companies, uh, countries that have central banks adopted these strategies later. Uh, so we're still seeing rate hikes in other parts of the world. That doesn't mean that they have to continue here in the U S uh, you know, the fed will likely still hike rates by a quarter basis point, uh, just to save face. And they'll continue to backstop anybody who needs it between now and then. And we'll be looking at a pause at the very least here from the Federal Reserve. And uh, our view is that they'll likely be cutting rates sooner than most people think here. Um, I have one more comment. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Fed the Fed uh, funds rate expectations are now in roughly 83% chance. Uh, for a quarter a quarter basis point hike at their next meeting. That's next Wednesday when that will be announced. Uh, but it's just so funny because two weeks ago, everyone was in the camp that we were going to get a 50 basis point hike. Uh, it was like 75% chance of that, 25% chance of a 25 basis point hike, and zero for no rate hike at all, and zero for any rate cuts this year. All of those have been flipped on their head pretty much across the board there. Uh, so again, we expect any weakness from here to be short-lived and nothing has changed in our view. We expect this to be a massive year for our major indexes. And what timing, right? We talked all week about the Ides of March. That was yesterday. Day one after, we get a massive day finishing up higher across the board for our market. So let's take a look at our market action on the day-to-day. -day. Again, started off rough, finished at the highs, exactly what you wanna see. NASDAQ led the way today, and believe it or not, now makes four days of gains for the NASDAQ. Uh, you know, if you were watching the markets, it may not have seemed like it, because it, it was a little bit of a bifurcated market. The NASDAQ was able to finish higher. Not every, Not everywhere else was, able to finish higher, including the semis on previous days. Today, they all did though. And the NASDAQ making another move higher above its 200-day moving average today as well, up 2.48% to 11,717 for the NASDAQ. And just what you want to see from this group, semis leading the way. SMH up a big 4% on the day-to-day. The S&P 500 also getting back above its 200-day moving average, up 1.76% to 3,960. Uh, next up, the Dow Jones, uh, as I mentioned, that massive swing earlier, uh, up 1.17% or 371 points to 32,246. Still has some work to do to get back above its 200-day moving average, but I will point out that the transports led the Dow today exactly what you want to see, and they did get back above their 200-day moving average, so that bodes well for the next move in the Dow. should be higher then. Uh, lastly, small caps uh, up just under 1.5% to 1,771. 
Next up, let's take a look at our internals on the day-to-day. -day. Uh, much better numbers, just continuing to improve here. Advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks. Over 3 to 1 positive for the NYSE, almost 2 to 1 positive for the NASDAQ. 52-week highs and lows do continue to come in negative here. Uh, but with the week open this morning, that's what you expect. Because this is a cumulative number. It doesn't reflect the number of stocks that finished the day at 52-week lows. So if we got a lot of reversals like we did in a lot of stocks today, from lower to higher, then this doesn't reflect at all how many stocks were at 52-week lows at the close. So it's just throughout the session. Uh, so not what you want to see, but again, that's the reason why it was a little worse. 461 stocks hitting 52-week lows to 71 hitting 52-week highs. We want to see that number especially start to improve. We had a great start to the year from that indicator. Uh, we want to see that resume here. Lastly, volume coming in strong, over 3 to 1 positive on the NYSE and almost right at 3 to 1 positive for the NASDAQ. Next up, our sectors on the day-to-day. -day. Let me get a refresh here. We finished with 9 out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. Exactly what you want to see leading, tech, followed by communication services and the financials bouncing back in a big way today. Uh, saw it earlier in the session. BKX, the banking index, up better than XLF, which is the financials ETF. BKX up almost 2.6% on the day-to-day. -day. Uh, so, you know, we have no love for the financials here, but good to see just for overall health of the economy. Then our laggards on the day were defensives, consumer staples, uh, so not bad. Really ended up about flat on the day, followed there by real estate. Finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch. We saw some red and precious metals today. Makes sense. They're more defensive in nature. This was a risk-on kind of day today, but uh, we do like this group overall. Gold down just slightly by 0.38% uh, to $1,923 an ounce. Uh, roughly the same amount of losses, a little bit more for the gold miners, but not awful here. Again, we continue to like this group. Uh, next up, silver down just three-tenths of 1% to $21.81 an ounce. Copper now higher on the day by eight-tenths of 1% to $3.87 a pound. And oil rallying off its lows, still below $70 a barrel though, up about 1% to $68.27 a barrel for oil. And lastly for today, Bitcoin, again, risk on sentiment is back. 2.29% to the upside to 24,859 of Bitcoin. Folks, that is all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com, click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.